0: So 1862, and what is arguably the most popular novel of the 19th century is published in that year. Uh, English-speaking nations would call it by its original name and still do to this day. Uh, Other names that it's gone by has been the wretched, the poor ones, the poor wretched, the victims, and the deprived. We know it best as Les Miserables. Um, An amazing story, in the original French, it's 1,900 pages long. It's one of the longest novels ever written. In English, it's only 1,400, so much less. Uh, but for those of y'all that have read the book or watched the movies, which, surprisingly, for adaptations, the movies are actually all pretty good. Um, depends on if you like musicals or not. But uh, the, the, the bottom line here is that the reason I wanted to talk about Le Mis today was just the reality that it is a story that proves to us and shows us that God is with us even when we are at our poorest. And it shows us the uh, interactions that we have with one another as God's children uh, in poverty and how we can love, serve, and care for one another in that. Um, Victor Hugo is the author of La Mis, and um, he, in the book... uh, one of his quotes that he wrote was Ecclesiastes names the Almighty, the Maccabees name the Creator, the Epistle to the Ephesians names the Liberty, the Psalms name the Wisdom and Truth, John names the Light, the Book of Kings names the Lord, Exodus names the Providence, Leviticus sanctity, Esther's justice, Creation names the God, man names the Father, but Solomon, the author of Proverbs names the Compassion which is the most beautiful of all thy names. Today we're going to be in Proverbs 21, verse 13, which says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Of all things, the poor need compassion the most. And so today, in chapter 21 of Proverbs, verse 13, we're going to be talking about the idea of the poor being poor and the misconceptions about poverty. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would um, speak through me this morning. I pray that what is from you would be remembered, and what is not from you would be forgotten quickly. Thank you for this time, Father. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive in and do a little bit of exegetical study on this verse first. So Proverbs twenty-one thirteen. Uh, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. So what I want to do is I first want to focus on ear, poor, or ear, cry, and poor. So ear here in the Hebrew is ozen, O-Z-E-N. And the translation to the Hebrew is actually audience. So it is an, it is a, it is an active participation in being available through mind, and sight and touch and hearing and seeing to the individual in front of you. So you're their their audience, you're their captive audience, as some might say. Cry, um, the cry of the poor in the Hebrew is za'ak, za'ak. Z-A-H-A-K. Here we see something that, You hear poor, and typically, and we'll we'll get into this, you think, financially, but here the idea is simply for someone reaching out for assistance. Uh, So someone who is in need financially, someone who is in need emotionally, someone who is in need spiritually, just reaching out, asking for help. And then we have the word poor. Um, You want to think about words like begging, destitute, lacking all things. Uh, The Hebrew is dal, so we would... uh, we would pronounce it as if we were saying D-O-L-L, but in the Hebrew it's D-A-L, doll. Um, and I love this word. I love the way that it's translated, dangling weak, or just hanging by a thread. You're poor. You're just hanging by a thread. You're in your you're you're on the end of the rope, right? And so when we go back, let's go back to the to the verse, Proverbs twenty one, thirteen. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. So if we were to re- reconstruct it, reread it, with our Hebrew definitions here, whoever refuses audience to those who are hanging by a thread and reaching out for assistance, he or she himself will call out and not be answered. So there's a little bit of exegetical study that's kind of what exegetical study is taking the words for what they are reinterpreting them in the original hebrew and kind of laying those other layers on top so we can get a deeper meaning of the of the verse itself so that's a little bit about the verse that's a little bit about the depth um, that we should feel when we read this verse um, but as i was doing my study this week uh, it, the question that kept on coming to mind was who are the poor who are these people that if I don't reach out, I myself won't be heard? And so that's what we're going to dive into today. Um, and I, I want to take a break real quick just to say this. The Proverbs are such an, um, is such an amazing book because I, I believe what God was doing through Solomon and some other writers in the book was saying, take these tidbits, take this scripture and think on it use the mind I gave you, use the intellect that I have placed within you to dig into the morality of life, to who I am, to what spirituality really means, what it means to really serve and love and care for the people around you. And so I love that, I love what this verse did for me personally this week, is it, is it pointed me directly to Matthew 5 verses 1-12, through 12, which most of y'all know that that is from the Sermon on the Mount and it's the Beatitudes. And so, what we're going to do is, if you'll turn with me to chapter five, um, we're going to read through. We're going to read read one through twelve together. It's Jesus's pretty okay outline of what it means to be human and loved by God. <laughs> so, we'll start in verse. Um, yeah, we'll start in verse one. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. from, from Jesus himself talking to his disciples uh, that talks to us about, I guess, the poor and who the poor are and how God interacts with the poor. Um, the issue that a lot of Western Christians find is who are the poor and do I have to be poor to be loved by God? Um, so I just had a couple examples here. So is Jesus saying that the poor is the lady on the roadside with the cardboard sign? Um, is Jesus the family that's crossing the border from Mexico to the United States? Is Jesus uh, is the poor the manic depressive who can't get the medication right and doesn't have the right community around them? Is the poor the widower whose wife has died and is raising three kids on his own? Well, Dallas Willard um, gives us a pretty good uh, he, just, he does a really nice job of kinda of clearing the air here. Um, if you're not familiar with Dallas Willard, he is a brilliant mind. He died about, I think, five years ago. He's my favorite Christian author. Uh, and this quote comes from his book, uh, oh man, Divine Conspiracy. It's an amazing book, and it's basically his opus. He has like a three-part series, and this is kind of his opus. And it's amazing, because the entire book is about the Beatitudes and how we live in a, we live, Christians, believers in Christ, believe and live in a kingdom that's actually upside down from the world that is presented to us on a daily basis. Think, uh, think Neo in the matrix, right? But the quote says, um, do we have this? Oh, no, other one. Sorry. I don't think we have this one slide form. Uh, you can take that one down. It's okay. Um, it's, it's a heady and weighty quote. So if you want to close your eyes while I read it, it might help. And if I can get it, you'll be able to get it. So, it says, in the Beatitudes, no one is actually being told that they are better off for being poor, for mourning, for being persecuted, and so on, or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God or man nor are the beatitudes indication of who will be on top after the revolution quote unquote. they are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship with Jesus they single out cases that pro- that provide proof that in him the rule of god from the heavens, truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. Dallas Willard. Um, I might put that quote on the the Gathering Midtown blog this week. If you want it, um, we have some good stuff on there from time to time. It's a plug. It's ruthless, right? Um, so, this, this last sentence that Dallas writes is what really hit me. Truly, they single out cases that provide proof that in him, in Jesus, the rule of God from the heavens truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. The blessed are poor because we're all poor. This is not, talk. the Beatitudes are not talking about some other group. What Jesus is revealing to us through the Beatitudes is that you're all poor, you're all weak, you're all in need, but through the strength of the Father, you are lifted up. That is the message here today. Going back to those descriptive definitions of the poor um, that I was talking about, let us ask this question. What are a few ways in which one can be poor? So the first one, I think when you say that person is poor, we would all say that they are financially poor or possessionally poor. They just don't have a lot of things. They're not able to make ends meet. They live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have a paycheck. They live on the street. They're homeless. They live in a facility somewhere, whatever the case may be. That is, I think, what the world presents to us is the correct definition of poor. Giving an abundance. is the idea here that Christ actually brings um, against this idea, not necessarily against, but expl- explaining it? Second uh, Corinthians eight, uh, verse nine, and then verse seventeen or verse thirteen through fifteen says, um, "For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet." For your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. I love this because it first off gives us uh, a picture of Jesus' poorness and what that actually meant. His poverty actually meant wealth. And then it also talks to us directly about how we are to give to one another. The idea of, of socialism is that uh, what's yours is mine. The idea of Christianity is that what's mine is yours. And that is exactly what Christ is speaking to here, is that we have a complete mind shift through the lens of the kingdom that what I have, the abundance I have in my life, no matter what that looks like, is yours. Everything from the other, the other, as, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, that the person in our midst, to the lady on the street, to a family member or a friend. Um, I don't know if any of y'all read the story, but there was a teacher last week, or two weeks ago, uh, and he went to Target and had, like, a cart and a half of of supplies. And, you know, I mean, because that's what teachers do. They have to buy supplies on their own, out of their own pocket, and so that's what he was doing. And he was on his way to the checkout aisle, and this lady just, like, yelled at him, like, stop. And she just, are these your groceries? Yeah. Are you a teacher? Yeah. Okay, come with me. And just bought all of it. So it's this idea that in one other's need, we have the opportunity through Christ and through his character to come up and offer uh, richness to others. Another way uh, that someone might be poor, and now we kind of move away from the idea of poor in respect to the way the world views it, and now we move more into kind of a kingdom mindset of what poor might look like. What what about people who are relationally or or emotionally poor? 2017 Business Insider, they did a study of 300,000 people, uh, and they found living a longer, happier life isn't just about diet, exercise, and genetics. What they found is that having friends can affect your health more than any of those things. Uh, They said that according to the researchers, the the health risk of having Uh, Few or poor friendships was similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day and more dangerous than being obese or not exercising in terms of decreasing your lifespan. So what's really being said here? Uh, I think it's speaking directly to the idea of community and having friends around you, but again, newsflash Jesus-like illuminates this for us. In uh, chapter 15, This is going to be verse 13 through 15. John 15, verse 13 through 15. We'll start in 12, actually. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants? For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I love it because Jesus is pointing directly to something that all of us long for in our lives, and that's friends and friendship. Um, being poor relationally, being poor emotionally, is not something that we wear on our sleeve a lot. Some individuals do, um, and it's easier for us to see the road signs as they come up in our relationships with those people. But poverty in relationship, poverty in your emotional state is something that we all need the riches of Christ in. The riches of Christ can come to us in those places of poverty through friendship. And I believe that is what Christ in this scripture was trying to tell his disciples was that I will come to you through one another. So Jason, two weeks ago, Sydney, last week, talked about in our weakness, in our poverty, how do we actually say, okay, I'm not going to be secluded anymore. I'm going to go out, I'm going to find community, I'm going to bring people into my life. I'm going to bring people into these things that I'm dealing with. I think what we can learn here is that sometimes we have to be the friend who's willing to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I've noticed you're not doing well. I've noticed you seem impoverished in this area. How can I love you? Do you want to talk about it? How can I pray for you? This is what it looks like to be a friend in this instance. So again, we have flipped the script from us being the ones who need to being the ones who can now go and give, and give abundantly in the person of Christ. And then lastly, uh, we have this idea of spiritual poverty. Um, It is something that I think a lot of people have serious misconceptions about. Um, But Christ, I believe, through the entirety of the Gospels is showing us that in making less of ourselves, in the idea of, the first shall become last, the last shall become first. He's saying to us that there is actual richness in poverty. There is richness in being poor in spirit so that we are able to make less of ourselves while making others greater. And that's all of us. I want to go back to the Beatitudes real quick and and read it again. Um, Matthew 5. The reason I want to read it again is because I, I, I really think it's, I, it's just such a quintessential point where Jesus is saying, not that, again, that there's this group of people that we should be serving and you have to go find them, but what he's doing is he's revealing our identity to ourselves. So let's read it again. Uh, we'll start in verse 2, 5 verse 2. for they shall be called sons of God, and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. So instead of, So that time, instead of reading it and thinking other, when we read it and think Christ speaking to us about the poverty in our lives, about the poverty that we've experienced. Because the, the truth is that we might not all be in a place of poverty right now. We might be in a place of abundance and richness where we're able to give to others. But Christ is saying that in poverty, I am with you and you are blessed. I love the descriptors, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the poor. And just the richness and the depth that we can get out of that word poor as we dive into the scriptures. Jesus um, was a great teacher and, and I love that um, current day and current generation teachers like Dallas Willard have come along because they take the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit uh, interpret it and allow us to get uh Different ways to understand what is being spoken to us, so that we can clarify the scriptures for ourselves. Um, at the end of one of his chapters in *Divine Conspiracy*, Dallas Willard says, "You can put the quote up." He said, "Blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad. Blessed are the twisted and the misshapen and the deformed. The too big, the too little, the too loud, the bald, the fat." The old, for they are all righteously celebrated in the party of Jesus. The reason I I love this quote is because I think it exemplifies that self that we feel when we're reading Scripture, Um, and it allows us to see ourselves in the words of Jesus, so that we can more and more deeply know our identity. Jesus in the Beatitudes takes the time to explain the implicit beauty in every human being, poor or not. And I think through the Beatitudes we come to this conclusion that we are all poor in one way or another, but Christ in us can offer abundance and treasure so that we can all be blessed. The application for this week is really short but really difficult. And I think that there are things that take lifetimes to understand or even attempt to. Um, The first thing is to practice listening. Um, When someone is impoverished in one way or another, there seems to be a difficulty for them to understand what they're going through sometimes and to have others understand as well. So as as we move into relationship, with family, friends, community, coworkers. It's important for us to practice active listening with those around us. A listening that is, we're not listening to rebuttal. We're not listening, so okay, finish what you're saying, I have something for you, But just listening to hear and to understand who that individual is on the other side of the table. And the second thing in application today is to just give it away. You might be impoverished in so many ways, but I guarantee you, if you take the time this week to think about where you're rich, God will show you the ways in which you can give that richness away in abundance to the people around you. So that's it for today, is to practice listening and to give it away, because we're all poor, and we all need each other, and with Christ in us, there's treasure there to be given away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, and um, we thank you for your word. The complexity of poverty is um, something that we want you to teach us about. We want you to help us understand uh, how to love people around us, how to hear them, how to listen well, and how in the abundance of the treasure of our heart that you've given us, Lord, to give things away. Christ, you gave us that example um, in giving your own life. And I think more than giving of our finances, giving of our time, giving of our effort, at the end of the day, what you have asked us to do is to give away our life to others. And that in the giving away and in the eyes of the world becoming poor, in the upside-down kingdom that we live in, we become richer than we've ever known. Thank you, Jesus, for that example. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.